so thankful for this podcast, for my good friend Brittany. We thank you that we can be here today and talk about our experiences, and we ask that you would bless this podcast, that our listeners would be educated and would be entertained. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I love that you close your eyes. You I can't eyes. pray without closing my so eyes. So hardcore. We were so hardcore I was sincere. That. that was a sincere prayer. <laughs> I just want you to know. Welcome back to the Cult Podcast. Uh, this is episode three. Um, we are recording back to back. So we just recorded episode two, talking about theology, little basis for just Christianity in general, denominations within Christianity, and what separated the cult that we were in from those other Christian or Protestant denominations and also Catholicism. Right. Uh, and then so now our focus today in this episode is we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that were preached, some of the ideologies, some of the um, the concepts that really shaped our worldview. Right. Uh, uh, specifically starting with Plan A. Yeah, not to be confused with Plan B. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Um, but there's a reason we're just going to tackle that topic to explain our worldview on things um, because that one ideology alone or that one message, whatever you want to call it, um, or perspective, teaching, yeah, really we, we, shaped I think we should call these, th these are teachings. Yeah, exactly. This teaching, and it, it was, exactly. It was in Sunday school, it was in messages, but it's just a teaching, really shaped our day-to-days, day-to-day um, -day conversations, decisions, and our mindset. Yeah. It really did. Mm -hmm. It gave us guilt in areas that weren't needed, obviously. Um, it made us question ourselves, you know. And it, it, I think, personally, it really stopped me from listening to my gut. Yeah, and these teachings, are they create the culture of the congregation. Mm -hmm. And every Correct. congregation in, in, it w in Christianity and every denomination, mm -hmm. or, and I would say every group that meets under any religious umbrella has teachings within them that shape the culture of that particular yes. place. Yes, exactly. Um, and for us, those teachings really instilled a lot of fear, a lot of guilt, and a lot of emotional... Instability. Instability and conflict within ourselves. Conflict, that's the best word. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So this whole idea, well, we're, you know, we're calling it, Brittany labeled it Plan A, which is great, because the, the, the basis of the teaching is when we get saved... Mm -hmm. God has a plan A for us, and yeah. this is a plan for our life. Mm -hmm. And this, and remember, this is not biblical. No, it's this, not. This is just. <laughs> we'll go back to last episode. We're talking about interpretation. Mm -hmm. This is a this is a teaching based on an interpretation of the scriptures. And I guess you could say that our our dear leader had some revelation or something, which is the basis for this. But I was surprised. I didn't question this more, but. Um, Plan A is the plan that God has for you once you get saved. And that plan, uh, as long as you stay saved and following his word mm -hmm. and do not depart from his word, plan A will always be there. Right. Now, what if you mess up? Oof. Now, mess up, mess up is tricky. Yeah. Because mess up, uh, you can mess up and not sin, right. which would... Slacking, spiritually slacking, not being on yeah. fire. So in this teaching... It was taught that there are if you mess up, even if it's not sin, you mm -hmm. can make it. You could do something mm -hmm. that would cause Plan A to go away. Yeah, and you'll and never know what your Plan A was supposed exactly. to be. And therefore, then you would go to Plan B, mm -hmm. and then if you mess up, Plan C, Plan D, and then all the way down the list, right? Mm -hmm. And God would keep even these plans. What's so crazy about this teaching mm -hmm. is it has nothing to do. It's not about you sinning, right? It's about you maybe doing something. Although that affected it too. Oh, uh, definitely. For sure. You would definitely go to plan right. B. But the point that is it, it was actually applicable even as a saved Christian. Yeah, even if you just further fear and guilt. did something. And it, man, if you made a mistake yeah. or you did something that wasn't technically sin, yeah. but that you shouldn't have done, it's so confusing. Yep. yep. Right? And, and, and it, it, when I hear you say it out loud, mm -hmm. um, it makes me question why, well, did they maybe not want to admit that they do, did believe in a way in predestination. I mean, if you're saying that God did have a plan for you, I don't know. Well, but then not, not necessarily because then you're not guaranteed to fulfill it. So that I guess that's where predestination comes in. Well, when predestination. You, when you are kind of like, 
I'm screwed. This is going to happen to me regardless. But that I was guess. our interpretation right? of predestination. So in some that's true. In, in other people, that's true. In some denominations, predestination they believe in it, simply but that's not means their interpretation plan, of plan it. A will always be there right. no matter what right. because God has gotcha. predetermined and predestined it for you. Mm. In our teaching and what we were preached, uh, what was preached at the from the pulpit um, in the cult was we believed in a version of predestination, but that version was that God had a plan. Uh, or not God had a plan, but God knew what you were going to do. Right. So God knew whether you were going to stick to that plan or you were going to make a mistake and go to this plan. Mm -hmm. And he knows He's what just watching and he knows what plan you would outside. end up on mm -hmm. in the end, mm -hmm. which does it matter then that you have free will if he already knows what you're going to do? Right. Like, why um, wouldn't he intervene if he really loves us? That that, that brings up yeah, that. question. That's a whole nother. No, I know. Yeah, I know. Th but th these are the questions that are yes. probably rising as people are listening to that concept. And it's really scary because when mm -hmm. you're taught, when that teaching of these of God having these plans for your life mm -hmm. and you, the possibility of losing out on plan A, mm -hmm. There's this emotional manipulation that happens between the leaders in the cult and that happens between uh, the congregants, which is, hey, you know what? You, you this, for example, you go to the altar. We talked about this last time about how we don't have we didn't have to necessarily go to a uh, a priest to ask forgiveness for specific things. But if you were saved and you made a mistake, you would go to the altar. Someone would come up to you and yeah. say, hey, do you the need counsel. any do you need any help? Correct. And you would tell them what was going and this person was probably the pastor um or, so, or someone who was going to be a pastor right. or a deacon or mm -hmm. what and you would sorry we heard a noise and we got distracted because we have adhd um you would they would ask would you need help or what, what's going on and you would pro you'd probably confess and say yes i did this mm -hmm. and you would maybe it wasn't a sin, but maybe it was a decision you shouldn't have made or you were mm -hmm. you thought you shouldn't have made. And that mm -hmm. person might tell you at the altar. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know what? That's that you made a mistake. Mm -hmm. And according to this teaching, I lost out on plan A. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to plan B, but don't worry about it because plan B will still be great. Yeah. You missed out on some things on plan A, but pl but, but then what did I miss out on plan A? Right. It's this struggle that's so unnecessary. It's all it's all hard enough. You know, mm -hmm. I don't need this extra battle. Oh, yeah. And then it just, it ruins, from my personal experience, ruins my self-esteem, makes me shit on myself further, mm -hmm. makes me feel less worthy. Once again, we're not worthy of his love or his forgiveness, much less a second chance or a, a plan B, you know. And fuck, I fucked up. Now God's not as happy as he could have been with me. Yeah, and That's how I felt. He's not as happy as he could have been, and I'm not the best I could have been. And it's really this self um, th th you're like flogging yourself. Yes, exactly. And you're punishing yourself yes. for, and, and there are some religions that people physically, physically do this. Yeah, Catholics. Yeah, Catholics, some do it. Uh, and in other religions, they also do it and you inflict yeah. pain upon yourself. Yeah, monks would do it, yeah. And we just did that mentally, mm -hmm. which is, man, I, you know, I messed up and I miss, I'm missing out on this possible plan. Like who knows all these great things, but you know what? I'm going to move on. And mm -hmm. then that keeps going, and then you, you get to a point where, like, man, how many things have I missed out on because mm -hmm. I messed up? Not even about sin. No, no. If something didn't go as well as it could have, you you blame it on yourself. Yeah. You, you, su you sum it up to, well, this is part of the price of me messing up. And it's the idea of you're never going to be good enough. Right. You're never going to be good enough to live this life um, or not even to live this life. You're, not, you're never going to no. – you're never you, – you always have to work on yourself. Right. And that goes really quickly into this whole message of excellence, yes. and that was a huge teaching. And anyone who's grown, who grew up in the in the this place, place, yeah, yeah. this specific congregation that we grew up in, knows that the teaching of excellence was preached over Drilled. and over yeah. and over, even more so in the later years, right? Because we when we kind of look at it in two different phases, we grew up under one was over under the our dear leader, mm. right? The really the charismatic founder of, mm -hmm. of the it was especially under him especially and then under him the next pastor took over carried it out yeah, too. It yeah kind of some things got diluted yeah. um but the the culture or the mindset mm -hmm. was sort of shifted a little bit in the sense and he of even asked the, the great leader to come back and preach it again and it wasn't the same yeah it still wasn't it was, that's what the tone the, the tone changed between right. the two well because obviously your grandfather was much more charismatic yeah than your father, the, right. the, the current and pastor. And the preaching styles even changed amongst themselves. Yeah. Like everything just 
it got darker and more worried about the end of times and more just fear mongering, you know? Yeah. It and got worse. It was this idea that, hey, we uh, we constantly have to be on watch. Yes, we, exactly. We have to guard ourselves against the attacks of the devil. Yep. We have to make sure that we do, that everything we do, and I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. This message of excellence was, and we're not talking about living free from sin, right? That's a given. Yeah. That was a given in the cult. This is after you're saved, people. Yeah. This is after you're a Christian. It's a given that, hey, you should be living free from sin. Right. But you should also be doing everything else with this sense of excellence, and if you're not then you're not doing everything you need to do. So I remember having like I remember having tremendous amount of anxiety. Like I already have um I there's anxiety that runs in my family. Mm -hmm. But it became amplified at mm -hmm. a certain age yeah. where because you're 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 so hyper focused yeah. on man, can I do this better? Yeah. So self-conscious. Something so small and mm -hmm. I think I mentioned this to you before in another conversation we had Something uh, uh, excellence could go into like when you go to church on Sunday, are your clothes wrinkly? Mm -hmm. uh, did you iron your yeah, clothes you properly? Your yeah, your it sounds your so dumb. I remember feeling guilty if I felt like I didn't iron my dress shirt well enough yeah. because I'm not as presentable as I could be. Or I woke up too late and I was too lazy and I didn't. You didn't shave, or did you wear? Are you no, wearing a tie? No, I did. I always say we got shaved. People who have beards have spirits. Remember? <laughs> no, I mean like no five o'clock shadow. Even. Oh, no five o'clock shadow. That's yeah. what I mean. I didn't grow yeah. enough facial like hair excellence. all the time for that. But I'm talking excellence, like scoring 110 out of 100. Oh yeah, 110 for for men would for be for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you're covering what men. Yeah, yeah, for okay, men I, is I, I show shining up. Shining your shoes was even. I show up on a Sunday. I out. should be. That just, these are given. They should be clean shaven. I should be wearing very presentable clothing. Right. Right. They should be ironed they should be this they should right. be that i should my hair should be kept i should not be unkempt right because if i'm unkempt that means that i'm not being presentable for the lord i'm in right. the lord's house right. i should look presentable mm -hmm. um which again and there's again there's nothing wrong with yeah. wanting to be kempt it was just using that as a tactic as a measurement yes and you can't do that across the board i think we have a general and that's not even a focus of your spirituality like why there's so many things internally that we should have focused on that we that could have improved mm -hmm. people there. There's nothing wrong with being that like, we ignored because we're focusing on this shit. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being presentable, and there's it, you should be presentable when you go to work. But there when was you go an here, obsession. There, but it. the obsession, right? And this hyper focus on yes. it, and it just becomes overwhelming. But you know, it's crazy to think, man. I would feel guilty if uh, <laughs> I didn't. Let's say I would be doing chores, and I would. It basically creates like this OCD in you. Yes. Right. And, and I think everyone has some form of OCD. Um, some people more severe than others. <coughs> um, that's you. Um, <laughs> but it does create OCD in a sense of, hey, did I did I clean my house as well mm. as I could have? Mm -hmm. Did yes. I get every nook and Same. cranny? I couldn't skip anything. You could not. I would feel guilty. Yeah. I was like, fuck, I'm not a good person. Yeah, because now what we're doing is we were tying in everything we were doing, even something as innocuous says, hey i'm just gonna clean my house like a normal freaking person would yeah. do everything we to, do to be excellent and everything. then now you have to equate it to am i being excellent for god is my That's house right. as, that god has blessed me with is it as clean as it possibly could be again you should be cleaning your house because you shouldn't be a freaking slob how did, but how did we make this connection from day-to-day -day things to this i'll tell you one example in the pulpit, on the pulpit, or from the pulpit, it was said, everything you do is worshiping God. Mm. The way you live yes. is your worship to God. Mm -hmm. And that instilled guilt in me and like a sense of responsibility for how I did anything. Not just like your work ethic or your, your character. I'm talking like, ev like you said, you get OCD about every little thing. Yeah, and imagine if you, if, imagine being watched 24 7. Mm hmm. We were if you're taught that God is always watching you. Mm. So God is watching you and then you're constantly checking yourself right. all the time for when I leave the house, how am I dressed, how I speak to people, every word I say, yeah. every conversation I Has have. Has a consequence. Everything I do. Mm -hmm. um, is my car clean? Mm -hmm. Sounds stupid. I'm you're, you're, it was preached. Hey, I you, believe you it. Should, you should be cleaning your car. You should yep. be again things that you sh you do normally, but yeah. the obsession, then the hyper focus on doing all of those things, and it connecting it to your salvation or mm -hmm. to your connection with God, is crazy. 
right? It's overwhelming, uh, and it just creates the, these battles. So for me, there was a period of my life where I started getting these, like, anxiety attacks, and I started in college, mm-hmm. and it was a direct result of this hyper-focus on excellence and this fear of am I doing enough for God? Am I being enough for God right. in everything Every I do? Every crook and cranny of your life. Crook and cranny? Nook and cranny. Nook and uh, yes, I always said crook and cranny. It's so true. I always say that wrong. So I cannot. I remember <laughs> there was probably I was probably like a good two years where there was a phrase mm-hmm. that we used, which was called accusations. Mm, you had that bad. So accusations was a phrase yeah. that was used when this you goes, were having. Wait, this goes back to that self-conscious stage in your life, like teenage years. No, this is like when I started college. Oh, so this was later. I th- I don't know no, why. I, I remember was, you in your teens, though, also still. No, I was 17, 18. OK. okay yeah. So late teens. Um, so oh, cause you did, you started college early. You were in dual enrollment. Yeah. That's right. That's so right. You graduated early. I remember being it, the way we would describe accusations would be like the devil is just attacking you mm-hmm. and Correct. you're just thinking uh, uh, you're hyper focused on everything. So yeah. it's imagine being it's just being hyper anxious. It so is. every conversation I would have is like, did I say that right? Did I um, and, and people who just have general anxiety have mm-hmm. these experiences. But mm-hmm. but in us, we every, chalked it up to like the devil's trying to rob something good of you because you're doing so good. It means that the devil really wants to take away your, your gem. Yeah. You know, I think it was also that for me and that it's a sign of early, like really early salvation. Like when you're, you're starting out, I don't think necessarily early salvation. I think it's just, you're at a certain point in your life where the devil's going to, how it was preached. The devil's going to try to attack you. I remember because it wasn't early. It wasn't early for me. It wasn't early for you. You're totally right. I think they, they, didn't address people with anxiety tend to have this, but they did. I remember, I don't know who would say this is common amongst new converts. Oh, yeah. People that didn't couldn't discern really fairly well um, what was and wasn't something to worry about. Mm-hmm. And also um, like the beginning of your salvation in this culture is like you're you're very fervent. You're very on top of yeah. yourself. So it's common for you to have these. And then the devil really wants to steal that fervence from you and that gem that you have of new salvation you know i remember that yeah being told or, or said and i, and I, I remember hearing that i remember hearing that for sure for me it wasn't that it was at the beginning no, of it wasn't. being you're, saved because you're right, you were you were and i don't think i would honestly don't think i would have had that experience uh, you know obviously i probably like everyone everyone has a general level of anxiety that's a human sure. some people have a, obviously a more severe version i don't right. think i would have had that experience had i not been in the cult i think the the fear of going to hell and the fact that I was living so black and white because you have to right? the structure is black and white of this is wrong. This is right. Right. So then you become very scared of did I step on some line Mm -hmm. that I get too close to a line. Mm -hmm. So we I remember thinking every conversation I remember having like (laughs) this sounds crazy. So we were we we didn't curse. Mm -hmm. Right. I I didn't curse at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I love cursing. But um you know that what comes out of your mouth is a reflective of what's inside of you. Yeah. And if you're saved, you shouldn't be saying certain things. Yeah. yeah. And they warped the profanity um, scripture. And it's fine. It, look again. You don't want to curse. That's fine. Um, and I, I can understand that justification. But I remember going through a time where like I just could not stop thinking about curse words. <laughs> Like they were just, like Tourette's, I was like, Tourette's. like, fuck shit, bitch. Like, <laughs> like just everything <laughs> That's was popping. OCD. That's really but OCD. those are, those are like, I've, I had, I've, I had never vocalized them yeah. and it was preached that like, Hey, I remember talking to our dear leader about this. And I was like, man, I, you know, I'm going through these accusations and I just like, I can't stop thinking. And it's like, it, it's stealing. It, it really, it was stealing, um, just life for me yeah. because I was just, I just wanted to sleep because I was just so tired Poor of thinking guy. my brain couldn't stop. And I remember telling him, like, hey, like, all these thoughts are coming to my main, these very intrusive thoughts, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, which if you're not concerned about going to hell, you're just like, okay, whatever. Like, who cares if you're thinking about anything? But he was like, he said, you know, don't worry about those thoughts because those don't count as sin because you're not dwelling on those thoughts. And this goes back to the last episode where we were trying to talk about what is sin. Something that was considered sin would Mm -hmm. be. If you have a thought, it's not a sin. Right. But if you dwell on that thought, right. it is it's a in sin. In your heart, it enters so, your heart. Remember, remember when we were really little, 
in like the old church building, mm-hmm. the annex. Yeah. From your head to your heart. And then if you if you um spit it out, in other words, you don't dwell on the thought. Yeah. It doesn't reach your heart. They they gave little kids that analogy. Like, yeah. Don't don't think about it too much. Just spit it out metaphorically. Yeah, and they would say and it won't enter into your heart. Then it's not a sin. Exactly. But if you keep chewing on it, mm-hmm. then you'll end up swallowing it and it goes down into your heart. That was our analogy as kids. I remember. I that. mean, it's a good it analogy for what the, the teaching was. No, for the right. But that's what I'm saying. It was drilled into us early. Yeah. Early, early. I'm talking like elementary school age. Yeah. I remember that I was in the annex. And that's what was that's what was taught to us. Right. right. And. That was just this this teaching of, of excellence over and over, which, again, do I believe in being excellent? Sure, like everyone wants to be as good as they can be. But when you become obsessive about excellence in in this context, it becomes super overwhelming because it's not just like, hey, because now you know what it is? Your eternal salvation is on the line. Mm-hmm. And that is super scary, right? Because now my thoughts... If I de- if I decide to dwell on them, can mm-hmm. take away heaven from me. Right. And and there's always a possibility, according to our teachings, that if I mess up, if I sin, mm-hmm. if I accept those thoughts and I and become sin, maybe God will not save me again. Maybe God is tired. That was also preached. Maybe God says, you know what? I've I dealt with this person I enough. Was so scared of that. So true. It's terrifying. He's long suffering, but he can get not tired that of long. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't push it. Exactly. Don't push it. So we, we put these human these human characteristics on, on God. It. Exactly. So true. We humanize him too much. But those accusations, which were called, and and it's really just a form of anxiety because you're afraid of Correct. fucking up. Correct. Um, and that caused a lot of harm to me mm-hmm. because you're just constantly beating yourself up. Over and this happens in other denominations. It happens in Catholicism, and it comes from a place of wanting to do the right thing. Yes, but but, it's so but deep down inside, so you warped. know that there are too many rules for you to follow them all perfectly. Yeah, it's impossible. It is impossible. I always felt like I had a late start. That's it. Like that's it. I'm off to a bad start because I had to constantly reset. You know and, what I mean? And we're talking about small things, right? We're talking about. We're not talking this about. This is where this is where I would. I just like gave up. I'm like, okay, I guess I missed out on Plan A. At this point. Yeah. But I think it's important for our listeners to say we're not talking about like, hey, uh, I'm going to go. I don't know. Um, I'm going to go steal something. Yeah. We're talking about like just go through a general day. I didn't wake up early enough to read my Bible and pray yes. before I go to school I, or work. I did a sloppy prayer. I'm That's not good enough. And right. then the whole day is a wash. And then now I'm just waiting to like I'm trying to make it up to God. And then you start and then you start doing weird things like. You go to the bathroom and you yes. pray, and you pray. pray over the toilet. Yes. I don't pray like, over the toilet. Like over the, over, no, I'm not, <laughs> not over the seat. I'm serious. Like to yeah. make yourself uncomfortable to really uh, wait. Yes, I, never did that. I kid you not. That's weird. I kid you not. This was given. As I did advice some weird stuff, but that's by, weird. By, by a relative uh-huh. up in the yeah wife in the hierarchy. Of, wife of yeah. said um, the matriarch. Wife said yeah. said a uh, leader. Literally gave this advice to people like counseled people to do this and i did i practiced that at one point to go to the bathroom break up your routine make yourself uncomfortable so that you really break through yeah and it it changed I, and the, we, we ate it like skittles listen the weirdest thing that i did i remember was i used to go play like pick up basketball like at 5 30 in the morning at the gym mm-hmm. and i remember playing game and for some reason i just felt like i think i had not read my bible and prayed before i went and this was something that was th- that we should every day we should read and pray mm-hmm. uh, in order to keep our communion with God yeah. on a daily basis. And that we should do that in the morning. We should do that at night. Yeah. Um, what really upset me, I don't know if you were there for that, but there at one point in a message, my father actually said to not read your Bible and pray is a sin. Yeah, that was preached. And that bothered me. I've heard that. Be- but okay, I heard that, so I heard so that it's before not him. A, it's not, it, was, it wasn't just one time. Okay, no. just making sure. I mean, it, I thought it was implied it was a sin but to hear hear it straight out like that okay black and white but he, here's where really bothered me here's again because that gives accusations like you said and then if a new convert goes a day without reading the bible and praying mm-hmm. they think they have to start over and then they miss out on their planning by so by that logic the problem that that i've encountered is they said they would say that not reading and praying is a sin but if you were to go for individual counsel, there would be a gray area that you would say, like, for example, if I'd be like, hey, look, I got home and 
I got home super late from work and I just I, I, I fell asleep and I couldn't read and pray. They'd probably tell you, you know, you're human. That happens. So there's a gray area sometimes, but there's a black. And who determines that gray area is the pastor or the deacons or whoever you're getting counsel from. And you can't determine that gray area. They determine it for you. Right. So essentially exactly. you are you are confessing to someone for them to tell you, you know what, that's okay yeah. or that's not okay. Right. But like I was telling the story, I remember going to the gym and I hadn't read or prayed or something. I just felt so guilty. I left the game, mm-hmm. went to my car to pray, and then went back in. And it was just the weirdest. Like why would you do that? And it was because I was so scared of failing God mm-hmm. um, that – you start doing you that's where you really see the break from normalcy is you start doing things like that because yeah. you feel like it's not enough like you said it's a, a psychological self-flogging that yeah. you start doing to kind of make up for it for sure mm-hmm. um i remember what was something else i would do um i would i would try to make up for it sometimes by extra witnessing you know oh yeah by witnessing guys um we mean uh telling people about what we believe in and like uh, evangelizing as you probably have heard before. Oh yeah. And you have to go out and talk to people and give right, them tracks and right. witness. So I would do that extra, you know, and I'd get creative with it too. Like I'd even get CDs. But you would do it when you really didn't want to do it. Cause, yes. Cause that was like, cause now I gotta I'm really going to make God really happy. Gotta, yeah. If I'm uncomfortable, but I'm working for God, that's a better sacrifice mm-hmm. for God. That was Which my reasoning. Makes zero sense. God loves my discomfort. Yeah, he loves your pain he and loves suffering. It. <laughs> like, are we talking about the same God here? Right. Uh, it, it, it's very, it's, it's sad. Yeah. Um, I remember another thing I used to do, like another coping mechanism I developed that I was taught from your grandfather, the, the dear leader, was I would write certain scriptures on index cards because I was getting these accusations, like co- these constant intrusive thoughts of like, you're not enough, you're doing this wrong, yeah. you blah, Sounds blah, blah. Sounds nice so far. Yeah. So I would write these scriptures. Now, here's the problem is mm-hmm. whenever I would start getting these intrusive thoughts, I would read the Bible verse on mm-hmm. the index card mm-hmm. to remind myself of one of God's promises or something in the scripture. Mm-hmm. But I was doing that all the time. Like I would be I was in co- I was getting my master's mm-hmm. and I was sitting in a lecture and I remember like I was having these intrusive thoughts and then I would start looking at these index cards to try and give myself comfort and someone noticed it, which I, I thought like, man, I'm, I usually did it pretty slick cause I didn't want people to see it cause I knew it was weird. And he's like, Oh, what are you looking at? I was like, Oh, I'm looking at Bible verses. Like why would I'm in a lecture for a class, but I was so preoccupied with wow. the, with the fear of going of like messing up and yeah. failing God that yeah. I couldn't even focus on that. I was focused on like, Oh, and I gotta read this verse to it controlled my life so much for a long time. And even after that, there's still, this you're so hard on yourself yeah and you give yourself no room for error Mm -hmm. and again i was someone who was very black and white and one thing that i'm very proud of is when i was in the cults and i was in church i i truly wanted to i truly believed what was preached i believe it was in the bible i believed in the theology of the bible i believed in the teachings uh, that were preached from the pulpit and I wanted to follow them and I wanted to make God happy. And I also, I wanted to do what was right and I wanted to be excellent. And so that's, that was the chair. Sorry, that noise I just made. Oh. So I, I wanted to do those things so bad. And I followed, I, f- I followed the, the prescription that was given to me mm-hmm. because I wanted to, not because right. I had to. Right. And I was so black and white, but eventually that, having to be so hard on yourself yeah. for years and years and years and be black and white was unsustainable. Yeah. And I, I eventually, it wore you down. yeah, it wears you down. Yeah. And the only way you, and I think I'm, I don't mention this in the first episode or in the, we'll call it the last episode, the one we recorded that I didn't like, so we didn't post. Um, the only way you survive is you either shut down your critical thinking skills um, yep. so that you're not constantly like, beating yourself up or you give yourself a huge gray area so you can do things that go against that what is me. what is preached yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards the end yeah and yeah. you can justify those things so right. that you can still get your fix outside of church mm-hmm. but still be in church yeah 
I couldn't do the gray. Now I live in the gray area because right. I, I realize, man, life is. That's life. Exactly. That's <laughs> life human is nature. all gray area. There's nothing um, but. Yeah. Yeah. Be, they, there's so many gray areas. Spectrum. Yeah. Everything is a spectrum. And so that the message of excellence seems innocuous. It seems innocent. It seems good. And it, it seems, seems good. It's like, oh, just do do your very best all yeah. the time, which I think most people try to do anyway. Right. Um. But you don't need to hammer it down on people. It, it creates a sense of guilt. And yeah. I think for people listening, if you grew up religious or in a, in a strict religious um, congregation or with a strict family, that mentality of I have to be better constantly and constantly, while it can be on good, that, while it yeah. can be good in doses, mm. when you combine it with the fear of eternal damnation. salvation and damnation and damnation or eternal life. It becomes overwhelming mm -hmm. and paralyzing yep. because then you're like, I don't want to make a move because I don't want to fuck up. Mm -hmm. Right. But of course, I wouldn't mm -hmm. say fuck up because I wouldn't curse. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to mess up at all. Yeah. And that is terrifying. Mm -hmm. The possibility that one thing I do could lead to my eternal demise. Because mm -hmm. what if I sin mm -hmm. and then I die immediately after? Right. Exactly. And then I don't have a chance to repent. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Ex the, the teaching of excellence that was extremely um, what you just said really brought back a memory that I never shared with anybody mm. but the night that I had my first seizure I remember being in the ambulance looking up and thinking and after a seizure you're very you're very groggy mm -hmm. you're lucid but you're very groggy and I'm talking about well after seizure because you're not lucid for at least half an hour yeah but once you're out of it, which I was for a while, um, because I remember waking up and coming back finally before the paramedics arrived. Yeah. They were cute. <laughs> but once I'm in the in the ambulance, uh, seriously, I'm just I'm so sleepy. Like I remember being asleep, actually, as they carried me from my bed to the ambulance. I slept through that. Mm -hmm. That's how tired I was. I remember waking up again in the ambulance and looking up. And for a moment, I was just thinking. I don't know that I was good enough. I might go to hell. I might. I don't even know. And that's when I was living right. At, or at least as best as I could. And I remember thinking, oh well, you know, I don't know what else to do. Yeah, you, it's a sense of, of helplessness, and helplessness. Hope and hopelessness. Hopelessness and helplessness really kicked in in that moment. And you know what I did? I went back to sleep. I was like, get it over with. I didn't. I wasn't even in a state like most people think you'll be. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't wait to see my Lord and Savior. No, no, no. This doctrine got me to the point that nothing I did was ever going to be good enough. And I didn't. I I ignored it. I turned my head if that thought would come to my mind. I repressed that shit. Yeah. But in that moment, it, it I faced it head on. Again, we talked about this last time or in the last episode. Like you said, you kind of push things aside. One of the positives <laughs> of that is. You're able to like I, uh, to control your thoughts a lot better because for years and years and years, in order to live in this environment, you have to push your thoughts aside. You have to. It's the only way you'll stay. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, it's the only way you'll survive yeah. because we're preached to be – it's preached to be joyful and happy and mm – -hmm. and, sorry, not happy. You're not always going to be happy, right. but you're going to have this <laughs> joy inside of you. I'm yeah. like, what? what? Like, okay, yeah, sure. I guess I, guess I can sure. be joyful and not happy at the same time. <laughs> well, and then whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and then it's, and then it goes into what we, t we were talking about was the emotional manipulation that happens. Mm -hmm. And emotion is a big part of religion. Yeah. Particularly, I would say Amer Christianity in America. Mm -hmm. um, how, how you feel. We've joked about this. Mm -hmm. I'll make myself listen to Christian music again, <laughs> just to kind of, feel those feelings again <laughs> because the chord progressions yeah. it depends on the song like what genre are we speaking of though well when you listen to like some i'm just like Bleh. no Bleh. when i listen to like I old like southern gospel um any any really like upbeat you know the the fun ones yeah i know i like to listen to the ones that are like and that yeah kind of sad like i really like to toy no, with my own emotions oh you're torturing yourself yeah That's it's kind of fun yeah you're a masochist. and the other day i was listening to it and it actually it gave me goosebumps I, I got little goosebumps yeah. because the spirit 
It, yeah, well, it's not the spirit. That's it's the spirit of God talking to it's you. It's that the chords in the song make you are designed to make you feel, and you're conditioned mm-hmm. to feel a certain oh, yeah. way. And because it's embedded in your memory, Anthony, that's oh, yeah. that's part of it. Well, I was, um, I remember at my grandfather's funeral where all the important people from the cult showed up, all the royals, quote unquote, showed up. The current pastor was giving a little sermon or talking mm-hmm. no it's definitely always a sermon a yeah, little mini sermon of course you know that sermon to scare people exactly and listening to i had that has been a year and a half since i'd been in church and i hadn't heard someone preach in a long time mm-hmm. i didn't know i wasn't listening to the words mm-hmm. the tone in which he was speaking the cadence in which he was speak with which he was speaking all elicited emotion in me and it was so it was so interesting because in the same look at look at any like dictator in history or any great any great Castro. public well no so you, charismatic Castro, Hitler um, yeah, e- even you can even look crowd. at positive people who are just great speakers right their tone look at Obama right yes. or or Oprah who last Tony episode Robbins, we threw in hell Oprah yeah <laughs> we threw in how how people sound and how they yes. and with what they speak sometimes yes. the content of what they say doesn't matter because right. the enthusiasm yes. with which they speak the tone with which they speak politicians do it all the time elicits emotion mm-hmm. in people mm-hmm. well, it's the episode of the office with mm-hmm. Dwight where he's giving the speech to all the businessmen and someone tells him and it, he's like oh he's like God. bang your fist and he's just banging his fist and speaking in loud words yeah. and people start clapping and going yeah. crazy not because of what he's <laughs> saying but how he's saying yeah, it. That's it. That's it it's and like wwe that's all it is yeah it's just getting the crowd <laughs> it's crowd work so that's what the songs so did true. and that's what the preaching did a lot of times yeah. is sometimes and if you hear preachers you'll notice if you really listen the substance isn't there and what they're saying sometimes is so off the wall but there's the way they're saying it makes you feel a certain way and that and then people start saying amen and people start preaching yeah. it and this and that yep. when in reality what's being said is shit it's bullshit but and and sometimes what they're saying maybe makes sense but yeah. i'm just giving an example of course. um it, it's all about tone it's all about mm-hmm. how things are said to make you it, it's all emotional manipulation mm-hmm. and then that goes into like if we're if we're singing right we would start services with 30 minutes of praise and worship yeah. and what I felt during a song, mm-hmm. we would attribute it to oh, that's the Holy Spirit speaking through you or, or speaking Spirit to you, making you feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. When no, it's just it's the energy in the room. Yes. And uh, this is a proven fact. Uh, there's a, a psychological phenomena where people behave differently in crowds. If you have an individual by themselves, they're not going to do certain things. Mm-hmm. But when you are in a group of people, you will do things right. that you normally would not Peer do. pressure. That's all it is. It's all it is. Um, and I remember feeling guilty in the choir for like when people would be crying, raising their hand, and I wasn't really feeling anything. Yeah. Especially, I would say. You would shame people who did. Like if the whole service moved, they would shame the people that were. I remember. Mm-hmm. They would shame the people that were still. Yeah, if if you, you don't feel mm-hmm. anything right now, yeah. that should tell you something. They would say things about that when the service was hot enough but then it goes to a contradiction because then there were times where if let's say i was in that service Mm -hmm. and i went up to one of the leaders Mm -hmm. and i said you know i really didn't feel anything that service say they i might get the answer and here's where we see the contradictions Mm -hmm. on the individual basis you're talking about having an accusation of not feeling anything right yes i know where you're going and the reason i have an accusation is because they would (laughs) say from the pulpit (laughs) right if you don't don't feel something they don't see themselves but then you would go to them and they set it up they would say Oh, I wasn't really. Ta- I wasn't talking about you. Yeah. About, so there's, a, it's very confusing. Yep. yep. Because I would didn't feel anything, but they would say, yeah, but you know what? You're not always gonna feel things, and that doesn't mean anything. Sometimes we just go through these times where your emotions may not be in line with your spirit, and that's fine. You're a human being, but like, but you just preached it from there. Right. And here, because it, secretly they're targeting certain people. Yeah. It's true. And you would well, know, you know better. You know yeah. better than I do. Yeah. But when you come I, down to it. And I know people who that's what they really struggled with was that guilt. And maybe if they had. They don't accept all personalities. That's true. That is it's very tr- true. They don't. I've learned that the hard way. They do not accept all personalities. Because maybe if the answer I got going up individually would not be the same answer that someone else would that's go. That's right. And I promise you that's true. Yeah. And it, it, and I think to me that validates. Um, there are some people listening who have had that experience who. Who left? Who left? 
and they just never felt like they were good enough, which I think most people never felt like they were good enough. But in particular, and it's probably just because the the leadership did not have as much mercy or grace on those individuals as they would have with others. That's right. Um, and I know I probably got, um, I was like, if I would go up, I would get that answer of, Hey, you didn't feel anything. That's okay. This what that wasn't for you. That was for someone else or other people. <laughs> what if I didn't go up and ask you now I would be living with all this guilt, uh, yep. but we're not here to preach the exception. We're here to preach the rule, That's right. but there <laughs> are a lot of exceptions. You should preach it. Yes. Um, so true. It was so, here's the problem. Everything was so veiled. Mm hmm. There are we're here to preach the rule, but there are all these exceptions. And if we can't preach the exceptions because then people who the rule applies to will think it's applying to them. But then who does it apply to? If it's a rule, it should apply to everyone. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's so confusing mm -hmm. when you really delve deep into it. But when you're there, you don't question it. Why? Because I'm only concerned about getting to heaven. I'm, I'm concerned about making it to heaven and enjoying the riches that God has put up. Everything about li in life is getting there. So, and that's such a sad way. W that's such a sad way to live mm -hmm. to only live worrying about dying. Yeah. I think it's the same way you miss out on living. But I think people do you that. You miss out on living. People it do that without, without religion too. People are so concerned sometimes with building a legacy. They forget to enjoy the present. Correct. It applies to so many things, mm -hmm. but that, that concept, that that's, lifestyle that mindset mm -hmm. makes me upset because so many people have missed out and continue to miss out on living yeah well we we gave up a lot i we sacrificed a lot of things or a lot of um enjoyments i would say in order to and, and the the reasoning would be you know what i i can give this up now because what i'm going to get later on will be so much better mm -hmm. and yeah, that's how we sacrifice and gave up a lot of things it's well, i know for me career was a big one right i don't get me wrong i've been teaching for this will be my 10th year mm -hmm. I do, am i good at it yes do i like it yes have i made great connections with my students absolutely wouldn't trade that for the world mm -hmm. is it what i really wanted to do no. no i wanted to do a lot of other things but every time i went to go talk to someone in charge and say hey look this is what i'm thinking about doing which the fact that you have to consult as an adult with someone else on what you're going to do for your career is Showed you how much control there is. Yes. Yes. Those ideas were shot down for X, Y, and Z reason. And why did we do it? Let's just cover real quick why. What did, why it did showed, we? Showed humility and oh, obedience yeah. and your faith. And in, we want to make the, the right decision. In the anointed one. Mm. Your faith in yes. the anointed one. The, the anointed, one that knows the shepherd of the congregation yes. Yes. who knows better. But, the wall watcher. But watcher on the wall. shouldn't I be consulting mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. God? Isn't me consulting with God enough? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. If you're with spiritually where you're supposed to be, you have just as much. They would say that too at the pulpit. You have just as much connection with God. You have just as much communion. Which is it? Yeah, but like, it, but you don't because you have you to don't. consult. Exactly. And if you don't consult with the pastor on that decision. Like like you said earlier, it's never good enough. Like I said before, it's never good yeah, enough. Yeah, because they're always going to be. And th this is the one of the signs of when you're in an unhealthy environment. Mm -hmm. And it could be in a personal relationship. Uh, but obviously we're talking about Colson controlling um, church church environments. Correct. Whenever you make a decision and you use their words against them and you say, I did this because I was basing it off of something you said last service mm -hmm. or two services ago or from something you said if in the they past. Deny it, that's toxic right there. They're that's going to always say, I didn't say that or you misinterpreted what right. I said. Right. And this is why. Not to say that that can never happen, but when that happens every time. Oh, every time. Consistently. And this is why I, like, I, I laugh when we know that some people from that are currently in the cult have heard at least snippets of our podcast. Um, Already, yeah. And their reaction has mm -hmm. obviously not been positive, which mm -hmm. is which is their right. I, I, I'm not bothered That's, by that. Yeah, expected. Uh, but it's funny because. There, any story that I tell or that you tell, mm -hmm. and anytime we quote, for example, when I talk to your grandfather, the founder of the of the congregation, um, and about having a beard, mm -hmm. verbatim mm -hmm. was said to me, mm -hmm. people who have beards have spirits. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that in the first episode. Sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. Something insane. Like that's, first of all, and many people 
many important figures in Christianity have had beards, even more contemporary figures. Yeah, but their argument was that people have beards now because of a trend, because it's a worldly trend. Have spirit. Have <sighs> a spirit. I, I, it leaves me speechless. It does. But I even know. Even with that nuance, it's still ridiculous. But I know that w- if I were to tell that, w- if they heard me say that right, right now, right. they heard that. I'll deny it. He would say, I never said that. Mm-hmm. I have no reason to lie about that because I, I can say there's. There's clearly a shit ton because we have a podcast. Yeah. I, to build on it. So, like, why why make up that lie? You know? I took what was said to me and I listened to a lot of things. That was one thing that I could not justify. Mm-hmm. And it was said to me verbatim. Mm-hmm. But, again, I know if he heard that, he would just say, I never said that. And that's happened to many people who are listening, yep, who, yep, who yep. are there, who said, you told me this. Mm-hmm. And he would say, or the current pastor would say, or whoever, wh- whether, usually it was your, uh, the, the, the old pastor, you know, our dear leader, mm-hmm. our great leader, <laughs> um, the current pastor, or their wives, mm-hmm. who would give you counsel. Mm-hmm. And you would say, but I was told this. I never said that. And and you had no one to really back you up because there's no, no one else in the one on one. there's no one else in the yeah, room with you when you're it. getting counsel. So yeah. it's easy to say no, I didn't say that. Yeah. And then it happens over and over and over and over. And then you're like, maybe I did mishear that. Maybe I did oh, misinterpret yeah, we it. Do. Yeah, we convince ourselves. You have to. Um, there's so many people who have been told one thing, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna tell this story on behalf of my own mom because mm-hmm. she told me I could say it. So my mom ended up getting remarried and to someone in a congregation over in California. Mm-hmm. And she was told that she had to wait a year mm-hmm. before she married him. She and my it. mom said, no, she did. She did. Oh, okay. My mom, cool. my mom wanted to be obedient. She said, okay. Like, okay, okay. Uh, she's okay, like, I'll wait a year. I forgot all this. So she waited a year <laughs> and that was the only pres- that the rule that was set in place for like, Hey, you just wait a year mm-hmm. and you can go, which She's you're, an adult. you're being held hostage. Yeah. And she waited a year. Yeah. And even after that year, they told her, you know, this is the wrong decision. You shouldn't marry him. Uh, you um, basically talked a bunch of shit about that other congregation. Yeah. And then she was told, if you tell them what we told you about that congregation, God is going to judge you and come after you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so even when you follow the rules, mm-hmm. It's not enough. Mm-mm. That's so toxic. Yeah. And so manipulative. Yep. And people in toxic relationships do that all the time. It's, yep. you know, it's that here's they, they offer you one thing and then immediately they pull it back. And you don't know what to believe. And and so what ends up happening for, for me, what I, how I was coping with it mm-hmm. was that last two years I was there was kind of after I got the beard comment, that was really a moment where I was like, well, I can't, I, I can't look past this because that's like, that's cool, cool. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after all the crazy stuff we did, yeah. but that, that was just something that was I, finally the straw it, yeah, it was just something back. that I just, I had reasoned out too many things. I couldn't reason this right, one out. Right. So like in that two years, I just made myself really distant. Like I didn't want to get involved in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to have a lot of conversations. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you just don't, want to rock the boat no yeah and that's how you survive i understand that yeah. now back then i didn't i didn't you just no one from the inside will understand until you're out oh yeah that you, whole transition in that period and know? everyone's deconstruction is different for yeah. me it became let me make myself i started slowly making myself distant while i was still there and i was still doing i still believed in god and i still wanted to do everything right right um but it was it was the beginning of me having more mercy and grace on myself yes. and allowing myself to really think more clearly. And that's true salvation. When you really forgive yourself, you have mercy on yourself and you love yourself. Yeah. And that's what real salvation is. It, it's a, it's a process. Every process is different. Um, yeah, but it is a process and it's, it sounds so depressing. Like this is fucking depressing to talk about this shit. It is. Uh, but people have experienced it, and there is hope. Like once I left, I, I, and not everyone is as as lucky. I have the ability. I don't. I don't know how. It's just how my personality works. 
it's like a light switch that I flipped nice. and you're like, nice, that doesn't work for me. Um, where emotionally I can say, you know what? I, I just, I wasn't hard on myself. I wasn't worried about going to hell. I, I just, I think I had tired myself out. It's just, uh, that's how my brain works. Right. Some people are still plagued by guilt. Some people are still, right. but I guarantee you there's a lot more joy right. in their, in their daily lives oh, yeah. because they don't Mind have, for sure. Yeah. You don't have to deal with that constant. Am I doing enough? Right. Is this good enough? Um, so well, we covered plan A. We covered excellence. <laughs> what else do we have on there? Well, since you're talking about the deconstruction, what helped, just so I can put that out mm-hmm. there for those that know me, what helped me not have to go crazy after leaving, it was since it wasn't like a switch or I'm not like a switch, um, I was deconstructing already in there. Yeah. And I had hopes to change things there for the future Mm. especially with the kids and being a teacher and all that i was hoping Mm. okay maybe i can have an influence here maybe you know to make it more progressive yes i wanted to hopefully well can we get them to open their minds can we talk about how how and let's talk about that because people don't see me with that light and they don't know that about me they Mm. see me probably still as like judgmental and Mm. like this like, how can you go from super devout to this, Brittany? Like, now you're cursing and you're wearing whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> and you're having a podcast, you know, but blaspheming. You, so but you let's acknowledge, talk about like, that. You acknowledge, like... I definitely, personality-wise, especially in the environment yeah. that I was raised in, mm-hmm. people, I was judgmental. Yeah. Well, However, let's make a, let's make a I was distinction. Because I was judgmental, too. But there's a difference when me being judgmental and you being judgmental. Because right. you right. were part of that royal family. Correct. Right? You were part of that, that politics, that hierarchy. So when you said something. I was the president's daughter, people. Yeah. When you say something, it carries a lot more weight. It carries weight. The spotlight's on you. You're expected not only to follow the rules, to mm. do it fervently. And I did. I, you, I'm emotional. You mm. can hear me. You can hear an inflection in my voice all the time. I'm passionate. So when I really believed wholeheartedly in all of this, Mm -hmm. like all of it, no questions, this is pre-deconstruction, I was literally on fire, like they they would preach. Mm. I wanted like, this is the best for everybody. Everybody needs to get in on this. Like it it was coming from a place of like, come on, we got to do our best so that we can enjoy this fully and so we can make a better world. That's where my heart's always been. Yeah. Like I want to see change in the world. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. So, uh, I want to leave a positive impact no matter what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I can't work in a place that I don't believe in. But I have to do whatever I do in life. I have to believe in it. Yeah. So going back to the judgmental place. And yes, I definitely had a personality trait, too, that was judgmental. But I wasn't going around snitching on people. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I got snitched on, but I wasn't going around snitching on people. I definitely spoke to my family about whatever bothered me or if somebody did something, especially because what you guys don't understand is that I was held to a higher standard and that I see people allowed to do shit and I don't mean sinning. I'm talking about just being normal uh-huh. and why can't I? Oh, because you have to be an excellent example. You have to be not only excellent, but you have to be an even better than excellent example of what excellence is for others. Yeah. So from the outsider's view, I'll say two things. One is you, I said this last time, I don't think people who are there are necessarily malicious in their actions in the same way that I don't think you were being malicious. No. You were just part of the system and you were a tool. I was born into the system. I mean, yeah. what do you expect? And, and there's also a level of people need to understand when you when you go in as an adult, it's one thing. When you're raised there, they might have indoctrination. And then my whole immediate family too because see, you didn't have your entire family yeah. there. I had my entire yeah, There's family. an indoctrination and a brainwashing that happens. Um, but there was also, even in that, there's somewhat of a, there's this gray area, right? Because while you were also held to a certain, a higher standard, sometimes there were some times where you could do something and it would be, you would at, you would, you would go to the altar, you get forgiveness, but because of your position, right? I couldn't confess it. You could, I you, refused to you, confess no, it. You, it was like, we're not going to, we're going to, this is going to be under the blood and we're not going to talk about it. No, but I didn't even talk. That's the thing. Yeah. What? what? Because they didn't know. Because it's going to put a stain. If, if you do, family. it's going to put a stain on the family. <laughs> so it's like. No, but. And they didn't even say that. That's the thing. It, it's all nuance. And and that's the pressure the growing uns- up the in this. It's the unspoken rules you, right, that we all know. You grow up in this, and so you're afraid. And then you hear the stories of what your mm-hmm. parents went Not even my parents. What my mom went through mm-hmm. as a pastor's daughter in a more extreme time. Yeah. You know, it terrifies me. 
So of course I'm not going to. And I see somebody else gets to sit themselves down from the choir and take a break Mm -hmm. because they feel like they're not spiritually excellent. Going back to the same topic as earlier. Mm -hmm. But I envy that because... You know, th- I'm a genuine person. That's where I want to be. I don't feel worthy. I, I don't want to be in the choir right now. I feel like I'm falling so short and I know what I'm, I've but done. If you, but if you sit down. But if I do that, all eyes are on me. And then when you mess up your reputation there, what we call testimony over there, you have to earn it back. It's a process. Yeah, and you can afford, if you're in the royal family, you couldn't afford to have a reputation hit like that. Mm-mm. So It's bigger. Yeah. It's so bigger either you, you keep things under wraps within yourself or within the family because if you let it get out, mm-hmm. then, then we have a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. And we need to, and this goes to the stumbling block. We don't want to be a stumbling block to others. Oh, yeah. Because if you mess up, that then especially as a, we were all young people, right. if, if you confess to something you did, or some some like a sin or whatever, and oh, that's gonna affect all the young people. Yep. Which you told me this when when you left. Yes. How? So they threw the verse uh-huh. that I didn't even remember this yeah, scripture, yeah. that it's better to have a weight t- tied down on your neck and and fall to the bottom of the ocean than let's to get, be let's a get stumbling the exact block. I'm gonna look it up right now. Stumbling block. But I, I rem- while you're finding when you're looking for it, I remember you telling me like, it was thrown in your face that oh when you left. That's going to cause other people to leave. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, then then their shit isn't really real because I didn't leave after a bunch of people left because a bunch of people left. You left. A bunch of people I was close to left that I grew up with left and I was alone. I was alone as hell. It was miserable. And I stuck stuck all of it out. It's not your responsibility. Instead, I took on more responsibility Mm -hmm. there. I took on more. Yeah. It's not your responsibility to worry about other people's experiences with God. Like, that's that's their responsibility. That's on them. Here's the scripture, Matthew 18, 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Mm. How encouraging. (laughs) God bless you. Oh, man. Yeah. As if I wasn't sick and shaking enough in that conversation, Mm -hmm. that shit just made it worse. That's when you left, right? This was, yeah, yeah, this was my exit interview. Mm Mm-hmm. With eight people. Which we all have. Eight people in the house mm-hmm. because it had to be a family intervention. Yeah. God for You see what I mean? So cut me some slack out there because you didn't have an exit interview with a family intervention. You just got to leave if well, you wanted to. I, different case. Yeah. There's I, no separation the, of family the, the dynamics. The dynamics are different. And everyone who's left, we all, we all share some things in common and we all have slightly different experiences based on how long we were there, our, our position, um... But regardless, it's traumatizing and <laughs> it's um, it's frustrating to look back on. And, you know, being being in that family in that which controlled the environment, expectations are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and from from the peasant view. Right. I was on the, the peasant side. Um <laughs> Right. And it was, it was, yeah, it's very the like pa- the ponds. Yeah. We were side. just, we were just, you know, the lowly the peasants who were not born into the Royal family mm-hmm. and who were all involved in mm-hmm. whatever. Um, poor popper. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I just changed for the poor, change sir. For the poor. You know, from, from our, from that perspective. By the way, I, I know it's horrible, but I miss the bums that would come into church. Oh yeah. We had some crazy ass bums. Up. I miss that. Do you remember that. There was a guy, do you remember that lady, the, the two ladies that came in and one with the bottle? Trisha with the, oh yes, that's right. The the hitting bottle. the head. Yes. Hitting the head of the, of the bum next to her. We just hear her pop. She'd hit her on the head with a two liter bottle. Uh huh. And and then the other skinny one that I don't know what drug she was on that was oh she was pregnant all the time she was, she was she always was, fake pregnant and she, she had was lipstick. pregnant all the time but she was a crackhead mm-hmm. and she was she had to be like sixty pounds she had lipstick smeared all over her mouth like it was like a psychopath really it was like oh, it was oh, it wasn't on her lips it was, it was around over, around, around yes. her lips always yeah around. and she had really thick eyeliner yes oh my we god we had we had some interesting characters for yeah. sure. Um, a much a lighter uh, story for us, but um, <laughs> I'm distracted <laughs> now. Now, so I'm, many. now I'm thinking we about. We had them even the in the banquet crackhead. hall. Remember the bank banquet hall? We had one that's like, oh, she's good. She's real good. Oh yeah. To the translator. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, we had bums in every. I think. I mean, we location. would let them in, which yeah, I think was a good thing. It was. Um, just can't be too crazy. It was the highlight of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the whole the whole stumbling block, 
uh, everything you did was yeah, like had a huge repercussion. Yeah, and you and you had to censor yourself in order to not be a stumbling block to others. Yeah, you right. Be so that wrong. means I can't do certain things because it may affect you well, a you certain way. You couldn't talk about certain things. You couldn't be raw completely with each other. So be careful what you talked about. Yeah, that's time. one thing I really enjoy is being able to have conversations with whoever I want to have converse about whatever I want to have a conversation about. Um, and not having to censor myself yeah. so much because censoring yourself gets really exhausting. Yeah. And of course, in, in a normal life, you censor yourself with certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, but even it, it, when we were in church, you couldn't really say whatever you thought no. because sometimes be you would say you would say certain things later on against. You. Oh, yes, you would say. And Stitches, somehow it would get back to it would. the pastor. That's what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. People would snitch. I remember I'll use another story from my mom. I'm sure she'll love this, was someone, an, an adult in church, was dating an, or talking to, courting, another yeah, adult in church. don't date in, in the church of God. Yes, we court. Um, we and have a, a, what is it? A confirmation from God uh, that they're the one. So my mom plan told. Plan A. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be on plan B. So my mom told this this lady, she said, you're talking to him? Like, you're so much better than him. Um, so, which was true. Mm -hmm. And, but then my mom was like, I didn't mean it like that. I just mean like, I think you can do, you know, I just, it's a compliment to you. Like, I think you can do better, which in church, of course you ended up talking to and dating. Yeah. Cause you're like, there's, we don't have options outside. You can't do that. No. So (laughs) she, um, she told him that. And then she got called. My mom got called into the office and what? And she was, she got reamed. She said, how dare you tell her that you, that she shouldn't be dating so-and-so. Like, she's like, she's a grown woman giving her opinion about her friend dating someone. Right. Why is that? How is that being censored? That's not their business, though. But it is their business because everything is, it's like the Stasi, bro. It's like the, um, the Gestapo. Everything you do is censored. Everything you post online, everything. Oh yeah, is, social yes. media. Oh yeah. Social if media. If you is looked controlled. like you had some lipstick on, like your your lips look too red. I remember somebody, and they're no longer there either. Mm-hmm. They had a lip scrub. You know what a lip scrub is, right? Yeah. It's like. Sh- I said yes, but I have no idea what a lip scrub is. It's like a powder is. or sugar, whatever. You can buy all kinds, but you do that to to eliminate the the dead skin cells on your the first layer of your lips. Yeah. And so the, the the second layer shows more. So yeah, it'll it'll make it like a little redder, pinker, but it's a natural color. It's not mm-hmm. like boring makeup. And so they posted a picture of themselves. It was really pretty selfie or whatever, or maybe a picture of somebody else. I don't remember, but I remember overhearing that they had to take that picture down because my father saw it and it looked like she was wearing lipstick and it didn't look appropriate. It didn't look. Yeah, and it's not Christian, about it's not if, if you look like you have makeup on. It's so it's still not good enough that you're following the rules. Once again, here we go. If it looks bad. You can't look not even a drop like the world. And we also have to acknowledge that women got the the, the short, brunt of it. The brunt of that because there was a lot more rules concerning modesty and because we live appearance. in a patriarchal society. And not, not just because yes, we live in a pa- it it's not just because of that. It's no, because it was very old school, which is extremely. It's really based on that patriarchal. It's, mistri- uh, it's, misog- it's misogynistic. From Bible times. Yeah. You know? Um, and there's just a lot more rules for women in general. Because of that. Yeah. And you're judged a lot more. I for, mean, hello. For guys, they blame Eve. Eve's the downfall. So she Eve was, gets punished the most. Fault. So now she has to submit to man, and but women are forever the weaker vessel. They are. I mean, Eve was. <laughs> You're not Eve funny. totally messed us up. You're not it's all Eve's fault. People can't see your face right now. Okay, <laughs> shut up. I'm saying this is so deadpan, though. Um, yeah, man, I'm having like these brain farts. We're going to have to edit out these pauses. Stop I'm just doing like that. <laughs> the pauses are fine. I, I swear, the pauses sound so natural. When I'm I getting edit. distracted by people putting olive oil on bread be in front of me. Um, it's just, I, you know. Anyway. <laughs> Honestly, we're past an hour, so we can wrap this up. We're past an hour already? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I thought we were like at like 30 minutes. Our, our conversations just fly. Wow. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's um, wrap this up. So that's what she said. The <laughs> no, that's what he said. <laughs> um, no, usually that's what she said. She said, let's wrap this up. It's a joke. With a condom? Yes. Oh, okay. I, I'm thinking of the hurry up. No. Yeah. <sighs> okay. 
So, so yeah. So even social media was monitored. It, like mm. you said, Gestapo, what you post following the rules is not good enough. You have to be excellent. So right. whatever you put out there would get questioned even when you're following. You're rules. putting on a mask constantly. Yeah. And everything we've talked you're filtering about, filtering right? everything, excellence and not being a stumbling block. It's all about wearing this. It's very this political. Mask. Which, it's, that's politics. Which will cause you extreme... It's not about where it's coming from, mm-hmm. the genuinity behind or intentions behind your yeah. actions. It's about how it comes across, and that's more important. And that hurts the person doing something. But how do you control how people interpret right. how people uh, uh, interpret things right. you do? You that can't, ends up hurting just the person that had a good yeah. intention and in, in living their life. I can't control how people view whatever I do. Every single Because I could right. do something with great intentions, or I could, I could do something so... like that I don't think is a big deal, but they do. So then mm-hmm. I have to constantly apologize yes. for oh, that happened. for how you feel. Yeah. And then it was funny because I was always apologizing because I always felt bad for things. And then I would get the answer. Uh, I would get the response. I would tell someone that in charge and they'd be like, oh, but stop apologizing all the time. I'm like, yeah, but I'm apologizing because I'm. We were, we've been taught <laughs> that I should like, I have to be careful and aware of how people interpret what I'm saying yes. and how people feel about what I'm saying. That's not my responsibility. I cannot control. You are valid in how you feel, but I cannot control that, and I'm not going to apologize for for you feeling the way you feel. That's right. that's for on you, you interpreting it that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. This is why not everyone likes you in the world because we don't all get along. Right. And, and that's for whatever okay. reason, you may that's not like. That's okay. Exactly. <sighs> um, anyway. Anyway, Lord, we thank you for this great podcast, for bringing us through uh, another episode. Uh, We ask that you would bless our listeners' ears. We thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Cold Podcast. We'll see you next week.